Welcome to the Potomac Pastors Podcast, a ministry for pastors by pastors. The Potomac Pastors Podcast is sponsored by the Department of Ministry of the Potomac Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, created for the purpose of inspiring, motivating, and encouraging pastors. So if you're looking for a little inspiration, then stay tuned as the podcast is about to begin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Potomac Pastors Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us today, and mostly we're excited because we have with us Marvin Ray. Pastor Marvin Ray is currently serving as the interim pastor at the Beltsville Seventh-day Adventist Church, but he comes with a long pedigree of churches and experiences and even serving as the ministerial director for this conference many years ago. And I love it because when I asked him how to introduce him, he said, just say the old guy sitting across from you at the table. (laughs) So Marvin, thank you so much for joining us. It is my privilege to be here, Rick, and I always love to share stories, and I guarantee you some of them will be true. Oh, good, good. (laughs) All right. Well, we're glad that you're with us and glad that you're willing to share of some of your years of experience and wisdom throughout your time serving as a minister. I know you've got quite a story, and Marvin, I just wanted to have you on this podcast to ask you if you could share a few key things that you have learned through your years, your many years of ministry. So what's what's something that came to mind when, when I asked you that question? Well, I'm not in it for the money. Uh, <laughs> You're not? I'm not. Oh, boy. Uh, but I've got... Uh, 44 years of full-time ministry behind me, Mm -hmm. and then another five of uh, interim positions. This is the fourth one that I've been in. And uh, through the time, I think, you know, it's what have I learned in 40-plus years of ministry. Mm. I think the the number one thing that came to my mind was, it's not about me. Mm. Um, Ministry is exciting, Ministry could be a lot of fun. Ministry can eat you up. <laughs> ministry can be brutal. Churches yeah. can be brutal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I started out that way. My very first district, Ames, Boone, and Perry, Iowa, back in 1973. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, actually, I got there in 74. I was so excited to do evangelism. And I set up uh, with the conference evangelist before I even got to my first district. Said, "You got to come. I want to do an evangelistic series, so let's book it now." Yeah. And I got there and I let the church know. And after church, my head elder came to me and said, "I'd like to come by with uh, with one of the other elders tomorrow, and I'd like to to visit with you." I thought, "Great. He wants to get into the <laughs> evangelism thing." Sure. What else could it so, be? What else could it be? So uh, they came and. Uh, Said, you know, let's go for a ride. And I went out, and here's this big Cadillac. Oh boy. With two guys. And they put me in the back seat. And I started looking around for <laughs> bags of cement and <laughs> chains and whatever I might see. And so we went for a ride. And they said, you know, the evangelism that you're thinking of, that's just not our way of doing church growth here. Oh. Our concept is we will visit surrounding churches. And when we see somebody that we think would be a good fit, We'll invite them to transfer their membership. They had built that church as a Seventh-day Adventist church with no baptistry. Oh. 
<laughs> oh boy. So, you know, I went home and I thought about it. And the, the following week, I had my first church board meeting. First church board meeting. I'm a half an hour from the conference office. And they said, okay, what have you decided about the evangelistic meetings? And I said, full steam ahead. We're, we're having them. Wow. They're coming. <laughs> and my head elder got up. And another elder got up, my church clerk, my Sabbath school secretary, my treasurer, all got up and said, we resign. Oh, my goodness. And we will never be back as long as you're the pastor here. Whoa. And I followed them to the door, and my head elder turned and said, without me and my money, you will fall flat on your face. Wow. And I went back <laughs> and sat down with my three remaining church board members and I cried. <laughs> I wept, man. Yeah, what else can you do? That's uh, terrible. But we're going ahead. They, those three that were left were so excited Aww. that the others had left. There you go. They said, okay, we can do this. And we renovated an old Woolworth building. We built a sanctuary in there. We put a baptistry in there. <laughs> I lost 13 church members with the group that left. Okay. Guess how many we baptized? 13? 13. Oh, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, that just reminded me that God is with me. God yeah. has called me, Yeah. but it's not about me. Yeah. Um, like I say, churches can be tough. Life can be tough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think of Paul. Uh, he talks there about how... He was shipwrecked three times. He was flogged. He was beaten. He was deserted. He was abandoned. They left him for dead. Yeah. He said, but you know what? All of that compared to what's coming, it's just, it's not worth comparing. Not even worth comparing. And, uh, you know, another illustration that pops to my mind is uh, good old Elijah, you know, after Mount Carmel and he races uh, Ahab to to Jezreel and yeah. uh, Jezebel and all of that. Then he runs on and he hides in a cave and he says, God, I'm done. Yeah. I just want to die. I can't do this anymore. And I'm the only one left. I'm it. I'm the only one <laughs> trying to do your will. I'm the only one yep. that has to deal with all of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'll say stuff so you don't have to go to the conference and see if you can <laughs> if you have to edit this. And God God feeds him. Yeah. Tells him to take a break, take a rest. I'll I'll bring you the food, I'll care for you. And then God says, Elijah, when you're done whining, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna let you retire. You you told me twice, you just you're done, you wanna die. Yeah. So I'm going to let you retire, and I want you to anoint Elisha. Uh, he's going to pick it up where you left off. But I just want you to remember, I have seven thousand others. There you go. That have been faithful to me. So <laughs> that's you right. Know, it's mm. not about me. Not about me. You know, you reminded me in college. I just remember this one moment where one professor, he was the only one that I remembered at least, who said to us, "Guys." Just know that when people are leaving the sanctuary and shaking your hand, not all of them are going to say great sermon. <laughs> and it kind of, I kind of went, what? No, <laughs> why wouldn't they? And he's like, no, some people are there to tell you everything you did wrong. Yeah. And you will have these people in your church. And I really appreciated him saying that because it stuck in my mind. 
and gave me a much more realistic picture because going in, I think I was very, you know, much excited and thinking it was going to be this glamorous, you know, leading and seeing all this amazing things happen. And once ministry started, then of course the humility starts to kick in because you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it happened too. Somebody came out and told you oh, yeah, absolutely. that that was, <laughs> that was not correct. And you need to spend more time in prayer and more time in the spirit of prophecy and yeah. you eat, need to eat less cheese yeah. and, and all of these important <laughs> things. You need to put on a tie. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the two greatest dangers in ministry are having things go so bad that you get really discouraged and want to give up. The other is to have things go so good that you think yeah. it's about you. It's about you. And and you're the one who's done all of this. Yeah. And uh, wow. And I think that's the definition of grace, that, that grace is not just the thing that saves us. It's the thing that works through us and does things through us that we could never do. Yeah. The results, like you said, you, you lose 13 and there you are weeping at your first board meeting, <laughs> crying in front of the only three people <laughs> that are left. And then God brings you 13 and a, a new sanctuary. Well, yeah, and I mean, I was really proud. I'd been in my church less than two weeks and I'd already split the church. It's <laughs> quite an accomplishment. <laughs> I thought I was done for sure, but uh, you know, wow. we, we grow from there and uh, that's the good news. And you know, the other thing that, that ties in with that that I thought about is that God must have played golf because God gives mulligans mm. a chance to to do it again, to start mm. over. And sometimes that involves leaving a district yeah. and moving on because things didn't go well there. Yeah. I've had that happen. Yeah. Was it my fault? I have to own some of it at least. But yeah. maybe it was unfair. Yeah. Uh, but when you're broken and you want to give up, Rick, I was so broken pastoring a church in this very conference that I turned in my credentials mm. to the conference president and the union president. Wow. I just said, I'm done. And I'm out. I, yeah. I, had, I had started another business, and uh, mm. I had contracts. I was ready to go. But then God brought me food and water <laughs> and let me sit by the brook and whine for a while. And he said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still with you. Wow. And... Uh, so God gives us a chance to do over, and, and maybe it's not the church that did it. Maybe it's not a church situation. Mm. Maybe you in your life have messed up, Yeah, and we all continue to mess up. God gives me mulligans every day. I love Lamentations 3. God says, you know, his mercies are so abundant, and his, his, uh, his mercy is new. Mm. Every morning, and I need it every morning. Yeah, yeah. So I know what it's like to need to start over. Uh, you know, my personal story is uh, I'm in my second marriage. Yeah, uh, it's been over 51 years with the second one, but <laughs> there was a time that I needed a mulligan. I needed yeah. to start over. And wow, God is good that way. And, and unlike you, if I were to play golf with you. You might be a gracious guy, but you're not going to give me unlimited mulligans. <laughs> not if we're uh, not, not if if we're something's keeping, on the line. Not if we're keeping score <laughs> and and the winner buys uh, or the loser buys lunch. Exactly. But uh, God gives unlimited mulligans. Yeah. And I don't want to ever be guilty of taking advantage of that, but I'm so thankful, so thankful 
You know, as I hear you say that, it sounds and feels very freeing to me because I do feel like the tendency in our line of work is to kind of kind of head towards perfectionism. This is God's work. We got to get it right. Yeah. And I feel like that's maybe too much pressure for us as mortal, human, sinful beings. Well, we'll never get it right. Yeah. We'll never be good enough. Mm. So why not bask mm. in the assurance that I'll never be good enough, but also I'll never be bad enough that God can't reach down and say, Marv, I'm here. Mm. I love you. Yeah. Walk with me. Walk with me. You know, good old Peter after the last breakfast, mm. walking with Jesus, and he looks back and says, Hey, what about what about John back there? <laughs> Jesus says, Don't worry about John. Yeah. You got more than enough to deal with. <laughs> I'll deal with John. Yeah. Let's deal with you. But he gave Peter a mulligan. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Big time <laughs> mulligan. And look what he did with it. Yeah. And I love the tradition there where Peter, at the end of his life, didn't even want to be crucified yeah. in the same way as Christ. Yeah. He didn't consider it worthy. Like, hang me upside down is the <laughs> tradition. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's just, that's hard to imagine, but yet I, I get it. I'm not worthy to be yeah. compared to Christ in any way. Any way, yeah. I just bask in his mercy, his grace, his mulligans, and the fact that it, it, it's not about me. Again, it's just all about him. And you know, I'm thinking to, about pastors who are listening and thinking, you know, I feel like I've just got caught in a rut I'm just kind of going through the motions. I think that's very easy for us. Uh, and maybe the pressure just kind of builds and we just kind of tune it out and just kind of put it on autopilot and our heart's not in it or we're burned out. Uh, what would you say to someone in that position? Take a sabbatical. Hmm. Not a three-month sabbatical. You're only going to get one of those every <laughs> six years or whatever. But take a mini sabbatical, a, a sabbatical, a Shabbat. It, it, yeah. But Sabbath is not my Shabbat day. It's it's my it's my Sabbath. Yeah. It's not my rest day. But take time, and and if you're really going through a downtime, give yourself the time to catch your breath and to heal. Yeah. Go take two or three days during the week. Yeah. Uh, you're you're not on vacation. Yeah. You're doing ministry. You're ministering to yourself. You, you don't have to report this to the conference. It's time <laughs> away from from the church. If you don't take care of yourself, you yeah. don't have much to offer. Right. I remember a professor saying to me in our doctoral program. He said, "You are the best ministry your church will ever have." And if you cannot get <laughs> and cannot model and cannot be in connection with Christ, then the rest of the ministries, what are they really worth? Yeah. You're just running activities. You're just creating busyness. Yeah. If, if the only time I'm into the Word, if the only time I'm into that is in sermon preparation, I'm going to burn out. Yeah. And people notice. I mean, you're not fooling anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love that idea of the mulligan because I think it's a reminder that we can always start over. Yeah. It doesn't matter if we've, we feel like we've blown it in this church. No, actually, God's grace, you could re reinvent yourself and the ministry and the church. You can always start over, and, and God can always bring something new out of it. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's a good illustration, especially if if anybody plays golf. I mean, you 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 get it. But the beauty of a mulligan is that that last shot, it doesn't count. Yeah, it didn't happen. There you go. It's not on the record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I come back from a downtime, from a time of discouragement, and I and I spend some time with God, I, w- I want to make sure that it that it counts. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for this new day. Yeah. Now let's not just launch into a repeat of yesterday. Let's yeah. Let's grow from it. Let's learn yeah. from it. Yeah. And let's be gracious to others as God has been gracious to us. Yeah. Let's give our church a mulligan. Yeah. Our associates, our family. Yeah, that's huge. If we want a mulligan, let's also <laughs> grant some mulligans <laughs> to some of our our saints and our spouses and yeah. our kids and Yeah. Yeah. God guarantees at least 490 of them. That's right. <laughs> that's beautiful. So tell me uh, one other thing that uh, you've learned through your years in ministry, something okay. that's kind of hit yeah, you. I got, I got a couple more that I wrote down, and uh, there's there's a lot more that we could go into. But uh, we tend when we go to, especially I noticed early on in my ministry, I go to a, a pastor's meeting mm-hmm. in Iowa where I started. We had pastor's meetings every month. Whoa! We came together to the conference office from all over the conference every month, and and we all gave reports. Okay. Everybody gave a report of what was going on, how many baptisms you'd had mm-hmm. in the fall, how close to your in-gathering goal were you, mm. and all of that good stuff. And I would be in awe of some of the older pastors, and I would be in competition <laughs> with others that were new to ministry. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to have more baptisms than they had had. Sure, sure. I wanted to get my ingathering goal first. And I'm I'm competitive by nature. <laughs> it came into ministry sure. uh, watching the other guys, what are they doing? What what can I do that will will stand out? And yeah. Rick, it, it's not a competition. It's not about advancing to the next larger church. It's not about getting a position in the conference office. Yeah. Bloom where you're planted. Wow. God has put you where you are. If you don't believe that God has put you where you are, then you need to really start having a serious conversation with God about where yep. are you and why are you there. Yep, yep. But if you believe God has put you there, just just bloom there. Mm. And don't be looking for the next step. That's yeah. That's so easy for me to say now, but I I confess, Rick, early in my ministry, I was looking for what can I do good here, and where can I go next? Yeah. And uh, that is such an empty, futile way of doing ministry. Yeah. You know, when I was ministerial director, uh, I loved. I loved that position because I was still a pastor, and the pastors were my congregation, mm-hmm. uh, and that. And I started getting feelers, even a call to uh, become a conference secretary. Mm-hmm. And that's when it hit me. God said, "You know, that's not your gift. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, but it's not the gift I've given you." Yeah. And so I left, I went back to pastoral ministry, and the next spot of pastoral ministry was a, another example that broke me. 
Mm. And I wanted to quit. It was not a good fit. Mm. Uh, it just after three years, I was ready to quit. But then I went on to my last church, which was in, in Napa, and I stayed there for over seventeen years. And and I just mm. God allowed me to to bloom where I was planted there. Yeah. And it's so freeing to not be looking at the next step. Yeah, to just enjoy the scenery. Um, I'm going to be myself. Yeah. And God is going to do whatever God is going to do, and it's not going to be about me. Yeah. To the young pastors, especially, you know, don't don't be looking at the next step. Look yeah. at where you are. Yeah. Um, I love the Peter principle. I, I even I even wrote it down. If you perform well in your job, you will likely be prom- promoted to the next level of your organization's hierarchy. You will continue to rise up the ladder until you reach the point where you can no longer perform well. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to get there. Right, right. <laughs> I, I yeah. don't want to get there. Yeah, that's um, profound. And we've all seen it. Yeah. We've seen guys move up yep. and crash and, and burn. I remember someone saying to me when I was a young pastor uh, and to a group of us, he said, guys, you do not want to get in a position where your influence and responsibility exceeds your character. Let God grow your character where you're at. <laughs> yeah. And then when you're ready, he'll know. God will know when the time is right. But a lot of us want to kind of jump the gun and, you know, you don't have to look far in the Bible as well as uh, just in modern life to see the people that have fallen victim to this Peter principle. Yeah. And not every good pastor is going to be a good administrator. True. There are gifts. There's, there are. The Bible has something to say about spiritual gifts. Yes. Yeah. And just because you excel at one doesn't mean yeah. that he's gifted you for something that is seemingly more important. It's lonely at the top. It's lonely. Uh, that's right. <laughs> when I was ministerial, I, I loved, like I say, I loved what I was doing, but I missed having a congregation. I got yeah. tired of being a guest speaker with a generic sermon. Yeah. Uh, no matter how good that sermon might have gotten after I repeated it 50 times. Well, tell me, uh, Marvin, what else uh, came to your mind as you were thinking about this? Well, you know, I've had 49 years of ministry now. Mm. Um, if you count student pastoring when I was in college, it would be 50. That's that's just hard for me to swallow, even as I'm sitting here looking at you, <laughs> a, a half-century for a guy who prior to that could never hold a job for more than six months because he was either fired or he quit uh, <laughs> because he was messed up with alcohol or mm. whatever. Uh, so I've had the privilege of, in the, the later years uh, of ministry, of working with so many associates and externs from, uh, from PUC that came and worked with us at Napa, uh, to have a year with them, mentoring them, other associates uh, whose first opportunity in ministry was, you know, as an associate in a church that I was pastoring. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was ministerial, bringing young ones into into ministry and having a chance just to come alongside them, to yeah. mentor them, encourage them, have some opportunity to shape them. That that that's a monumental task that's a humbling yeah frightening in some ways 
task. Um, yeah. And I, I'm reminded that, you know, as I look now, and a lot of those that I brought, that I, I didn't bring them in image, into ministry, God did that, but I had the privilege of giving them their first opportunities, mm-hmm. went on to be very successful pastors, and uh, mm. three of them conference presidents. Wow. So it reminds me, you know, be good to those that are younger than you, that are quote-unquote under you, because mm. they will be the leaders when you retire. <laughs> they may be your boss one day. <laughs> well, Rick, Rick LeBate. Rick, are you listening? You know, Rick, uh, I didn't bring him into ministry here, but he was one of the pastors that was here when I was ministerial director, and yeah. and, uh, and we worked together on things, and I know uh, I was his mentor in many ways, and now... <laughs> I'm working for him. You're working for him. I just there I just looked on the uh, on the Potomac uh, employee website and it looked I saw my name there. It says reports to Rick LeBate. <laughs> so there you go. I love you, Rick. Yeah, um, I love you. Keep sending the paycheck, Rick. <laughs> uh, I love it. In in Third John four, it says, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth." I have no greater joy than to see those that have been externs, interns, associates of mine knocking it out of the park. Yeah. That is such a neat reward. And it's not that I didn't do that, but I I know that I gave them a safe place to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking of my time when I was, you know, just entering ministry and how much I craved somebody with more experience who was understanding, accepting, uh, compassionate, and could just kind of be there as a voice of wisdom or acceptance or just someone sometimes to talk to. Because when you first step into that uh, podium and that pulpit and you step into the congregation, uh, nothing can really prepare you for what's coming next. (laughs) Yeah, a good mentor is so key. And I didn't get that when I started. Uh, I had a nine-month internship and but I had a church that was mine that I pastored during that time and my senior pastor the only thing he did with me was give me some leaflets and tell me to go door to door <laughs> and hand these out and then I was a solo pastor in a church yeah uh, yeah and that's the way it yeah sink it or was. swim sink or swim yeah that's tough so pastors meetings uh Pastors' conventions and that were, were critical to me because I I got to go and to listen yeah. to some guys that had been down the road ahead of me, yeah, and uh, and that was good. And you know, I just want to say something occurs to me as you're talking. I know there are guys that are younger or middle age even who maybe don't have somebody they could immediately pinpoint that could be kind of a mentor for them, but maybe there's somebody around them that is, you know, around the same age. And I think that's one of the things that meant a lot to me was finding other pastors instead of having that kind of competitive spirit, right. which is tempting, especially if they're successful. Right. You might feel a little, you know, like you don't measure up because they're doing so much better. And you, if they only knew, you know, how you're tanking at your church or your last board meeting, what <laughs> what went down. But to put that out of your mind and say, hey, Maybe we can, you know, connect and play golf together and pray together or just share yeah. a little bit and support each other. 
every every man, certainly every pastor, needs at least one other pastor that he can be totally real with. Mm. You know, at the at the pastors' meeting, I I told that illustration and talked about the the joy of being naked, <laughs> having having somebody yeah. that I can let it all out with that yeah. I can be painfully me yeah and they will come alongside and I feel so bad for pastors and some of them listening are saying yeah that's me who are out in a district and they're 80 miles from the nearest Adventist pastor yeah you know what what do I do and we only have pastors meetings where we all gather together a couple times a year maybe yeah I would encourage them, get involved in a local ministerial association yeah. and just talk about some of the pains and joys yeah. and and needs, personal needs that are there in ministry. And uh, and you may find that in doing so, you may be as great a blessing to somebody else. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I think the other thing we've learned through COVID is the value that technology can bring us closer. Yep. And so even in my case, I have a couple good friends that live in other states. Yep. But it doesn't matter because we can get on the phone, we can FaceTime. Yep. And then we do try to get together yep. and go hiking or just have a, you know, a good weekend or something. Like you said, where you can be yourself, painful as it is, yep. <laughs> but they're not there. These are people that have your back. Yep. That are never going to tell your your dirty secrets, your laundry right. to anyone. Right. And and by the way, this probably shouldn't be a church member. I've had no, 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 some bad experiences where I've opened up too much. No, uh, with it, church members, it should definitely not be one of your own church members. Um, yeah, and I don't even know if I would want to go with a former church member. I mean, just keep it out of that. Keep it, yeah, somebody who is either on a par with you or somebody who's totally unrelated. You may have somebody that you relate to in that way that's not even in ministry. Exactly. They're just in life. They're in yeah. corporate life or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but especially men need to work hard at building some real relationships. I agree. Yeah, um, yeah it's so funny because I think, I think you're exactly right. Women seem to do it much more naturally. Sure. Maybe they're more socialized to do it or whatever. But for us men, we tend to get married and then become a silo. And I yeah. think we put too much on our marriage. Because I know a lot of pastors, their wife has to kind of bear all their burdens. And and I found early in ministry, and I, I'll ask you a question about this. I found early in ministry that I was destroying my wife's faith through all my complaining <laughs> and my anger. Yes, yes. Because I was just trying to vent. And then I started realizing she's having more of a problem with what I've shared. Right. She can't love the members that we're going to church with anymore because they've... I've aired all the dirty laundry about them yeah. or how they've treated me. Wow. And that's, a, that's, that's big. Yeah. That Have, big. What would you uh, say about that? Yeah, well, I, I would, and I was thinking, the so wheels were turning as you were talking too, that, you know, I'm not sure that my wife can be my confidant in everything. Right. I, right. I, I, I want to be careful with that. Yeah. I need to be an open book with my wife. Right. Uh, there need to not be, I'm even thinking about that. I was going to say there needs to not be any secrets, but <laughs> secrets in, in, in my personal life, yes. But secrets in ministry, 
Yeah, I remember a time where I shared a situation that had occurred with me and my head elder, and it was something very painful for me, and I felt like he had really, you know, kind of betrayed me or hurt me and and definitely said some things that were very uh, painful and just wanting a, a very big disagreement he had with me. And so I went home and vented this all to my wife at the time, and then what what materialized was she kept coming back to me, when are you going to get rid of him? When are you going to get rid of him? But as I prayed about it, God said, no, it's mine. You know, you leave this in my hands, you do your thing. It's not yours to like X, you know, throw out anybody who disagrees with you or anyone who isn't on your side. It's not for you to go out and try to get everyone to be exactly as you want them to be, you know, all of that. So God and I dealt with it. Yeah. But now my wife's over here saying, that guy, he is terrible. <laughs> I don't want to see him in church. I can't believe you let him on the board. And so uh, I learned a lesson that maybe if I had had my pastor yeah. friend, I could have vented and got the worst out of it. I could still have said something to my wife about it, to be honest, and all of that. But I didn't need to cast him in such an evil light because I was just fresh off my own pain. Well, maybe it's that old adage, you know, I mean, leave your home issues at home and leave your work at work. Mm. Uh, don't yeah. bring your work yeah. home. Yeah. That's, that's harder to do in ministry. Yeah, yeah. let your wife be free yeah. to love everybody. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's the value. Like you said, if you have a mentor... You have somebody with more wisdom that you can dump some, because some of it you're just dumping. It is, yep. And why why do that to your spouse? They already get enough. It's hard to be a pastor's spouse, so <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of respect for our pastor's spouses. Yeah. Not an easy position. A lot of challenges out there. You know, overall, as I look back at it, uh, Rick, I have no regrets. Mm. I'm so thankful mm. that... Uh, Ron Wisby, my conference president, when I turned in my credentials, kept them, mm. but he kept them on his desk, oh. waiting for me, assuming, hoping, praying that I would come back, which yeah. I did three days later. <laughs> um, I have no regret. I wouldn't want to do any of it differently, actually. I mean, sure, there's things I wish I hadn't done and things sure. I wish I had done differently, but but overall, I they've all contributed to who I am today. Yeah. And I am God's child. I am God's chosen servant, Mm. Uh, a privilege that I don't deserve. But I have a relationship with him that the conference committee can't touch. (laughs) Yes. Um, And your church can't touch and your board can't touch. Nobody can touch. Uh, Even the... the GC retirement can't touch because <laughs> I am retired and I am do that. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you one big question as we yeah. close. Okay. I just heard you say, I don't have regrets. I'm grateful. And you went through times where you were ready to quit. Yeah. You came from a difficult childhood and were kind of an unlikely candidate for God to use. And, and yet God continued to use you. But how did you make it to the end, or at least to retirement? Forgive me for saying end. <laughs> yeah. How did you make it to retirement years being grateful? Because I feel like it's so easy along the way to just start becoming discouraged, angry, bitter. bitter. How, how did you make it? 
to this point and to, be grateful. To be gut-wrenchingly honest with you, I can't say that, that, that there's no level of bitterness is too strong a word, but hurt mm. over the way I was treated in my penultimate church. Vocal minority made it impossible to do ministry there. Mm. Um, and yet one of my very, very closest friends to this day, although he's deceased, uh, but his his widow and, and that came from that church. Mm. But what I cherish from that, Rick, is that it gave me a tool that I could use to help pastors. Mm. I've been there. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. I've been through it. You can get through it. You can get through failure. You can get through betrayal. It's just like my past life before I became a, a Christian. My addictions, two-pack-a-day smoking, uh, alcohol, drunk mm. every night for two years straight. Uh, I'm, I'm ashamed of those wasted years because I knew all that time that God had called me to be a pastor mm. when I was 12 years old. Mm. But I'm grateful because they are now tools. I can work with pastors who are going through divorce. I can work with, with pastors who are dealing with addictions. It may not be alcohol. It may be pornography. Mm. I've, I've, I've mentored and worked through more pastors than you want to know about mm. who are yeah. dealing with that issue. So life gives us experiences, it, it, mountaintops and valleys. Yeah. But even in the valley of the shadow of death, mm. he's with me. Yeah. And, and I can't live on the mountaintop. So those are some of the most valuable tools that I have are the times when I was the most broken. Yeah. Because I did, I, I wanted to give up. Yeah. I did give up once. Yeah. But I took it back, and God gave me a mulligan. Yeah. Uh, but those those are valuable tools. So looking back, even on those hard times and some of the worst things you went through, you can be grateful because those allowed you to minister to others who also were struggling with that or have been through that or going through that. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. There, but by the grace of God, go I, went I. Yeah, but Never give up. Jesus is coming. And if, again, going back to kind of where we started, if you believe God has called you, he will see you through anything and everything. Yeah. If you don't believe that, then you need to have a conversation with God. Yeah. Because ministry is not just a job. Beautiful. Well, Marvin, uh, Pastor Marvin Ray, thank you so much for being with me in this podcast and for taking these questions and being so vulnerable and authentic and sharing from your own experience. We really appreciate it. My privilege. Well, everyone, we've been talking today with Pastor Marvin Ray, and we thank you for joining us and listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the information that is shared and that you will also share this podcast with someone you know would enjoy hearing it. 
Hi, this is Deborah Anderson, Assistant to the President, Director of Communications for the Potomac Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Our mission here at Potomac is to grow healthy, disciple-making churches. Potomac pastors develop and empower their members to be servant leaders so they can effectively share the love, hope, and faith of Jesus in their local communities. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the busy urban streets, Potomac's territory covers all of Virginia, the District of Columbia, and Maryland's Montgomery and Prince George's counties. Potomac's 91 pastors minister to more than 37,000 members in 182 congregations. We have over 115 dedicated teachers providing instruction to 1,400 students attending our 17 schools. Potomac also operates Camp Blue Ridge. It's a retreat center nestled in the rolling hills of Montebello, Virginia. If you'd like more information on our ministry and our mission, please visit our website at pcsda.org.